Has the world gone crazy? Life is difficult. When you need help, where do you turn? Welcome to Christian Impact, impacting your life with spiritual truth. I am Dr. Kelly Blanton, and I'm sharing practical truths in the Bible that can truly change your life. Today, October 6, 2022, we continue with Chronicles of the Kingdom, Lesson 39, Kingdom Power. This lesson also represents us moving into our fifth chronicle called Living the Life. And in this series of chronicles, we will begin looking at living in the kingdom. And of course, Lesson 39 is entitled Kingdom Power. So we begin with understanding that the seat of power in any kingdom rests in its king. Only the king possesses all the resources, the knowledge to empower individuals in his kingdom to exercise his ways in order to order his kingdom. So when we look at the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, Jesus is our king and he is the only source of authority and power to order all life according to the ways of the father. Of course, he is the life. He is the very source of all existence And that existence is spiritual and physical, supernatural or natural. The kingdom of heaven on earth is his kingdom. The kingdom of God is the kingdom of Christ. One thing that we can see from our world is how much his kingdom is not ruling over things. I know that sounds crazy because we know that God is sovereign and he is sovereign over all things. But you can also see the kingdom of darkness at work. You can see the wars, the pestilence, the crime, the corruption, the greed, the wickedness, the immorality. We see these things and we understand these is not part of the order of God's kingdom. It has nothing to do about his sovereignty. But it does have to do about uh, the uh, warfare that is going on in this world. And we have to understand that mankind, especially those that are lost and in sin, but many Christians fall on this too, but mankind has proven that he is unable to successfully order life on this earth through his own strength, his own wisdom, his own power. The lust of the flesh, the pride of life in sinful man, it produces this need and greed which destroys everything. And that's what sin does. And it's this lust of flesh, the pride of life, it creates self-centered beings that we just cannot follow 
any type of order. And when I say order, we have to understand that God is a God of order and that darkness does not like order. It likes chaos. And that's why we see such chaos in our world. And this self-centeredness that is produced in men is visible. And we have to understand that this self-centeredness can affect Christians. Just because you're a Christian and you believe in Jesus doesn't mean you're invulnerable to falling to sin. And this self-centeredness in this idea of kingdoms and, and order and rule, we have to understand that this sin produces little kings. What do I mean by little kings? Well, little kings, they go about uh, seeking power to rule as much of the world as they can possibly uh, control or handle themselves. And I'm not just speaking about some, quote, big-time political leader or religious leader. I'm not just talking about presidents and dictators, and I'm not talking about uh, a mega church pastor that's got 20,000 people. I'm talking about ordinary people. We have a way of getting in our own way. Isn't that funny? We get in the way of our own way. We, we want a way, but we don't understand that we're getting in the way of getting what we think we're going to get. And I'm going to call this the little king syndrome. And just because, let me let me back up a little bit with some of this thought. Um, just because you're a Christian, or maybe even in ministry, maybe you've been to Bible school or a college or seminary, or or you've been walking the Lord forever. Just because you have all this stuff, just because you got baptized, uh, does not mean you're immune to the little king syndrome. It can happen to anybody. The lust of the flesh, the pride of life, it creates, it causes us to be a little self-centered. We have this need-greed thing. We, we want to be able to control the world around us and order it. And it's not about controlling the nation. You just like to be able to control your home, your, 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 your job, your circumstances, just the little part around you so you can feel safe. And you want to be the king of your own castle. So to speak. And this is a terminology that's ingrained in American culture. You know, the the, the little saying, every man is, is the king of his, his home. It's his kingdom. But we have to understand this is part of the deception, part of the lie. Because in the kingdom of God, there is only one king, and that is Jesus. And everything else is subject to him. And if we do not get in line with this, then we are now walking in the kingdom of darkness. The idea that I can be king of my home and that Jesus can be king of me is to say I have a separate kingdom that is mine and not his. And that by itself is from the pit of hell. That very idea is coming out of a sinful fallen world. It is something the enemy has implanted here. It is the kingdom of darkness at work. And it's why things don't work out the way we want them to work out. We get in the way of our way. We want peace, but we don't understand that we create the chaos ourselves by not falling in line with Jesus. Because when we do that, the order of God is not in us. 
It's not our way. And because we want something our way, we don't understand we're introducing sin and brokenness into our way. And sin and brokenness never results in what we desire. That's the evil of, of sin. When, when the devil came to Eve in the garden and tempted her, deceived her, he deceived her how? Because he told her that if she ate the fruit, she would be just as smart as God and know everything, and she'd be just like God. But the lie was that she already was given the mind of Christ. She was already given everything that God had to offer for her. She already had it all. He lied to her in that there was something that wasn't there. And she believed the lie. And when she took it, the only knowledge she gained is what is it like to be a fallen creature? What is it like to be evil? What is it like to be in darkness? What is it like to be outside of the will of God? Those things she did not know. And in the end, the only way to know those is to experience it. And then once you experience it, you wish you hadn't. This is not what you signed up for. You thought you were getting something better, not something worse. And that's that's what this syndrome does. We think we're going to control this and make things right. But in the end, it doesn't go the way we expect and in doing this, we have to understand this is part of the blinding the enemy does to our mind. See, he wants to keep us from doing anything in God's kingdom. He doesn't want us to uh, seek to be a part of God's kingdom. He doesn't want us to minister uh, to God or for God. He doesn't. He doesn't want that. He wants us to be blind to this, and he wants to deceive us. And so, so Satan will attempt to blind the minds of people to our potential. What I mean by potential is going when you were filled or baptized in the Holy Spirit, and of course to be Baptize the Spirit is to be saturated with the Spirit, immersed in the Spirit. We are completely overwhelmed by the Spirit of God. Um, it's in these moments that the Spirit of God is this to us that we yield our control. That suddenly the order of heaven is there. And we can do and accomplish things that's not humanly possible because suddenly God puts his his, his, his grace, His mercy, His compassion, that we're no longer self-centered, we're self-controlled. Um, the fruit of the Spirit boils out, and then the enemy does not want that. He does not want that. So he attempts to blind us to what could be. So we're going to look at a passage. It is quite long, but I want us to, to really dig into it. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, we're going to start in verse 5, and we will read... All the way through chapter 4, verse 2. So, starting 2 Corinthians 3, verse 5. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God, who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. But of the ministry of death, written and engraved on stones, was glorious, so the children of Israel could not steadily look at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which glory was passing away. 
how will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? For if the ministry of condemnation had glory, the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory. For even what was made glorious had no glory in this respect, because the glory that excels. For if what is passing away was glorious, what remains is much more glorious. Therefore, since we have such a hope, we use great boldness of speech. Unlike Moses, who put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the end of what was passing away, but their minds were blinded. For until this day, the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament because the veil is taken away in Christ. But even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil lies on their heart. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with unveiled face, behold as a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the spirit of the Lord. Therefore, since we have this ministry, we have received mercy. We do not lose heart. But we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Now, I know that's a long passage to read and to try and dig into, especially on a, in an audio format like this. It's, it's easier when you're looking at the word in your Bible and you're in a discussion but bear with me. And just for a little more reference, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, just, just a, a few verses down. I didn't read this. But it says, Whose mind the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. And so in, in that passage there, it talks about this blinding comes from the God of this age. In other words, Satan has blinded people. But getting back to the big passage here, when we look at it, notice that it talks about, right off the bat, our sufficiency is from God. That we're not sufficient within ourselves. Sufficiency comes from God. Notice that this sufficiency is not from the letter. In other words, is not from the quote-unquote points of the law is not about doing this doing that but of the spirit the letter kills the spirit gives life when we when we when we read the scriptures and it talks about sin the idea of well if i just follow this and don't do this then i finally suddenly find life that's not how it works law condemns it doesn't give life the spirit of god gives life and this is the spirit gives life um, and it goes on to talk about Moses and the glory. When Moses went up and was in God's presence, he was transformed. His countenance shone. They, they, Paul calls it glory. The Old Testament just says that his countenance, his face shone. It lit up. And I don't think it lights up means like you know, the type of light up look when your eyes get big and you smile like, oh, I've got an idea. It is shown almost as if it was expelling a light from him. And it was it was scary. The people saw it, and they were scared, and they put a veil over him. They couldn't look at him. And I want us to understand, why did the people put the veil on Moses? Because they were scared. What were they scared of? They were scared of the, the light of God. 
the light of God that was coming off of him, the light of God that was transforming him, uh, the glory of God. They, they were scared of it. And of course, when he was coming down, he was proclaiming to them what, what God had said. And then if you notice, uh, but they, they didn't want that. And of course, this glory, this shine that was coming off of Moses, it was passing away because he, he left the glory. So what we were seeing was just a fading of what it was like when he was there. And, and but the people they could they couldn't they didn't want to wait they didn't want to look at it they were, they were scared, and it says verse twelve therefore since we have such hope we use great boldness of speech, unlike Moses who put a veil on his face so the children of Israel could not look steadily at the end. In verse fourteen further but further minds were blinded. Listen they were afraid, they could see the truth and they were afraid, and Moses was afraid as well. Why was Moses afraid? Well, verse 12 says, Therefore, since we have such hope, we have what? We have the hope of the Lord. We have we have the truth of God. We, we have this message of Christ. It says in verse 12, Therefore, since we have this hope, we use great boldness of speech. In other words, we're going to speak this truth. Verse 13, Unlike Moses, who put a veil over his face. When Moses was at the burning bush and God told him to go and speak, Moses told the Lord he couldn't speak. He wasn't a good talker. Ask, get someone else. And and so Aaron, his 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 brother, was going to come speak for him. So God would speak to Moses. Moses would tell Aaron, and Aaron would tell the people. And we all saw what happened. Aaron was so good at that that when Moses went up on the hill, Aaron was the one that made the golden calf. So Aaron could speak, but Aaron was like all the other people, and he was he didn't just hold on to things. Moses held on to things. But Moses was afraid to speak. Moses lacked great boldness of speech. But we have the Spirit of God. We have a hope that Moses didn't have. And it should make us bold to speak. If Moses had the boldness that when the when the, the people were afraid, he wouldn't have veiled himself. He wouldn't have hidden himself, but he was self-conscious of how he spoke. So he veiled himself. And it says, and the people's minds were blinded for the, until this day, the same veil remains unlifted. So, and this time with the Jewish people that when they read the Old Testament, that's why they can't see Jesus in the Old Testament. Their mind is veiled because why they were afraid of the truth. But the veil is taken away in Christ. When you look at Jesus, that veil that blinds you is taken away. And that veil is there because of fear. And then again, uh, chapter, uh, verse 4, chapter 4, verse 4, the, the God of this age is blinded. He blinds us through fear. Satan blinds us through fear. But notice he goes on and talks about now the Spirit of the Lord. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Um the Spirit of God frees us. It goes on and says, We are being transformed from glory to glory by the Spirit of the Lord. So God wants to reveal. He wants to change us. He wants to, to do these things to us. Notice in verse, uh, chapter 4, uh, verse 2, um, We have renounced the hidden things of shame not walking in craftiness nor handling the word of God deceitfully. You see, when we're blind, 
we we want to hide. We want to hide things. The fear the enemy puts on us creates a veil because the enemy wants to hide things. That's why there's so much of Satanism and the occultism and, and stuff that talks about hidden knowledge. See, the enemy is always trying to tell you there's hidden knowledge. There's something hidden. And that uh, only only a few of the insiders can know about it. And, of course, he's trying to egg you on because he wants you to be one of those insiders to the hidden information. But the thing is, is that it's, it's a lie. Because when you come to Jesus Christ, when you stand in the truth, that we renounce hidden things. And you see, when we sin, when we do things, we feel shame and we hide it. But when we come into the light and we have forgiveness of Jesus, we're no longer condemned, we no longer feel shame, and we're not going to hide these things anymore. Because why? Because I don't have to. I don't have to keep them. I can give them to the Lord. I can no longer be ashamed. I can get rid of them and walk with them. It says, now walking in craftiness, or handling the word of God deceitfully. When you're hiding things, you wanna you get real crafty, you get manipulative. You lie and deceive people. You're trying to hide what you're doing, and that leads to this craftiness. Handling the word of God deceitfully. I've seen many Christians in trying to hide their lies, they use the word of God and they twist it and they pervert it. Again, goes all the way back to the garden when Satan came and deceived Eve in the garden he twisted the word of God he told Eve did God really say this he twisted what God said when Jesus was tempted by the devil the devil would take the word of God and would twist it in front of Jesus he would come and say oh turn this turn these rocks into bread you're hungry you know, if you jump off this building, God says that he'll send angels so that you don't even dash your foot. Satan's taking the word and twisting it. And, of course, Jesus understood this, said, you don't tempt the Lord your God. That's what it's also written. And then just get, get away from me. Um, because that's what you have to do with Satan. You can't, when he's twisting the word of God, you don't sit there and argue about his twisting. You just rebuke him and tell him to go away. Um, and, and, and why? Because... To remove the blind, to not be blinded by deception, you have to manifest the truth. As Christians, we need to speak the truth. We need to be bold about the truth because it's what takes away the blindness, the truth, manifesting the truth. I want the truth of God in me. That's why we put away these hidden things. You know, I, I'm not going to be ashamed of it. I'm going to expose what's hidden in the light so that God can transform it. God can transform this in me. And this in is why we're talking about kingdom power. The world is in chaos and darkness. And if we want to see God's transforming power, it must be because of his truth. Truth brought by the Spirit. Truth to unblind us. And ultimately, the first truth is that Jesus Christ is the king. We can't be trying to build up our own little kingdoms. We can't be our own little kings and put things. Because when we do that, we're blinded to truth. And his, his, his order, his ways can't come into our lives. And sin continues to destroy. We have to see this truth and, and, and come into that light and go, Jesus is the king of my home. I'm not the man and the court king of my home. Jesus is the man. Jesus is the king of my home. And I want his kingdom, his order here. 
because his order brings wholeness. His order brings peace. His order brings love. Um, I, I want those things in my life. Uh, 2 Corinthians 4, we're continuing, verses 7 through 11. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our body. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. That said a lot, but the idea that we, we are earthen vessels, we're just dirt and clay, basically, that God has breathed into us. And why? Because it's the excellence of his power is in us. It's not about us, it's about the power of God in us. And so it talks about you're hard-pressed, you're hard-pressed, perplexed, persecuted. Yes, I'm tongue-tied, but I dare anyone to say that really fast. Hard-pressed, perplexed, persecuted. Uh, say that real fast a bunch, and you get tongue-tied too. But look at it. Struck down. Uh, carrying about death in our body. When you look at this, it sounds terrible, these words. And yet, death, that's the world. That's the darkness and chaos that we live in. And But because we carry... The power of God, the kingdom of God within us, the spirit of God within us. That means the power of God, the power of his kingdom is within us so that when we are oppressed, we're not crushed. When we're perplexed, we're not in despair. We have hope. When we're persecuted, when things are, are, are coming after us, we know we're not forsaken. God is with us. He's right there. That when someone strikes us down, we're not destroyed. Why it's this kingdom power, it's the power of God within us. That when we feel like death is coming upon us, we have to understand that the life of Jesus must be manifested in us. You overcome darkness with light. You overcome death with life. The life of Jesus is within us. The power of God is within us. So when terrible things come at us from the outside, from this darkness and chaos, the inside is the order of God. It's the power of God that rises up. It's the standard that preserves and transforms. And it's manifested through what the Bible calls our mortal flesh. This fallen sinful flesh suddenly can manifest God's kingdom. It's, it's, it's miraculous. It's the power of God. Second Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4 says, And his divine power has given to us all. All things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his glory and virtue and by which we have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Oh, there's that lust of the flesh. See, his divine power is given to us all things. I like that. You know, so what has God given us? All things. But specifically, all things that pertain to life and godliness. He's not given us all things that is about deception and death. And he's not given us that. Those are not the things. If it's not leading to life, if it's not leading to godliness, 
He's not given us to drunkenness. He's not given us to immorality. He's not, those things, he's not given to us. He's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. And how do we, how do we obtain this power? How, well, it's through the knowledge of him. So we need to know him. If you want to know how, how do I walk in this power? How do I obtain all these things about life and godliness? How do I get? It's through the knowledge of him. you got to know him. And I'm not saying know about him. It's not about Bible study, knowledge, knowledge, although those things are important. It's about knowing him personally. I want to know you, Jesus. more I know you, the more of your power to, for all things that pertain to life and godliness. Because that's how we get to the exceedingly great and precious promises. Because I know him, I can hear his promises to me. And and through those promises, I'm now a partaker with him in his divine nature. And suddenly, it's because I'm partaking with him that the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, is, is like repulsed off from me. Because I'm now partaking in his life. And he denies these things. His power uh, blows this stuff off of me. But I have to know him and partake with him. In this way, the power of God is manifested in us. It's the thing that helps us to overcome. So when we get to this point, and we're talking about knowing him, we have to understand you want to overcome the little king syndrome it's about spiritual maturity. I say that a lot. Spiritual maturity. It's the development of doing away with our own needs and desires and agendas. Spiritual maturity is growing up in Jesus. It's what orders our life. When we grow up ourselves when we mature when we're children we do things all the time we're not mature and we can't I'm gonna say order life I mean we can't we can't when little children can't really decide what they eat I know there's some people that think that's true but no little little kids will not eat healthy food I'm an adult and there's times I don't want to eat healthy food we like to eat junk that's not good for us that's why parents need to Tell their kids, no, you're going to eat this. Little children don't know how to dress. And it may be cute for them to run around in their underwear or or, or pajamas or a Spider-Man costume out. But it's not cool for an adult to do that. Maturity, you grow up. You begin to put some order into your life and responsibilities. We need to grow up and become mature in Jesus Christ. There's a lot of, I see a lot of people with their kids, a lot of spoiled kids, because why they want, the kid believes they're, they're the king. They're the little king in the house. And that's immature, and, and that type of immaturity doesn't lead to good things. If, if a child doesn't grow out of that, if a parent doesn't help them grow out of that, then they grow up into these bratty people that are spoiled and are destroying society. And we all talk terrible things about them. But that's immaturity. We have to understand that we are just like that spiritually. We need to grow up in the Lord. And that, in doing that, allows us access 
to the power of God to overcome sin and darkness in this world. Ultimately, there's so many people walking around talking about the love of God and the fuzzy feelings of God. Uh, I'm talking about the love of God. To grow up in maturity in the kingdom, to, to want to understand the power of the kingdom in our lives, is to understand the love of God. This is love. To grow up and become mature is the love of God manifested in you. All of us desire our own children to grow up and be productive and to be and to be good and to see things that we love them that's what we want do you not understand that the love of god desires this for us i mean as the scripture says if if we are evil people can give good things to our children why can't we understand that the love of god wants good things for us the love of god wants us to grow up and understand his power He's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. He wants us. That's his love manifesting through us into this. That, that, that power that transforms us is also his love that's destroying the evil that is within us and in this world. So we must continue on to maturity. We must press in to know him. Father, I thank you for today that we talk about kingdom power, God. I thank you, Lord, that as we look at this subject and we talk about kingdom power, we realize that it's not about feelings. It's not about warm, fuzzy feelings. It's not about a perfect life, God. It's about your love and growing up to know you and seeing your life manifested inside of us. It's seeing that when things and darkness come about us, that your power is manifested to push back, that your power is there to transform us and to transform things around us, God. And it's a miraculous event. It's a miraculous thing. It's undescribable. I lack words to describe how you can change, how you can make things that are not suddenly become the very thing that you desire. I thank you that you placed this within us. God, I pray that we would come to know you more, that we would mature, God, that that the pride of life, the lust of the flesh, will be driven driven from us through your power, through your spirit living within us. I thank you that you broke the power of sin and death on the cross, that you paid for forgiveness and you overcame these things. God, I thank you that you are manifesting yourself in our lives. Encourage our hearts, God, to press in and knowing you more. And we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. We are living in dark times. The world is going through all sorts of crazy things. But do not lose hope because Jesus is still Lord. He's still King. You can pick up any of our lessons in the series Chronicles of the Kingdom on our website, ChristianImpact.net. And until next time, God bless. Hey.